The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance, says the Apostle Paul, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost, but for that very reason I received mercy. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In a brilliant little book in 1981, Claire Sterling, a brilliant little book called The Terror Network, Reflections on the Last Couple of Decades of Terrorism that Were Around the Globe, the 1960s and the 1970s, Claire Sterling said the main purpose of terrorism is to create terror, to put us in such a high state of anxiety and fear and frustration that we will take draconian measures that would just lead to chaos. And life, life is different now, isn't it? Some 20 years after she wrote the book, airliners flew into skyscrapers and into the Pentagon and one was taken down in Pennsylvania by brave people who said, let's roll. And ever since then, we've had to take the measure of why Western society exists, why we have the freedoms that we have, and how and why are they worth preserving on this 15th anniversary of 2001's September 11th. We remember with sadness the nearly 3,000 lives that were lost. We remember the firefighters who went back up the stairs and the police and the normal citizens who sought to help each other out. And then this summer, we've known what it is, not just for like our society at large to be in the crosshairs of angry people, with, with, of angry people, but we've, we've seen just beginning with the Pulse Massacre on June 12th, and going through the summer, outbreaks of outraged, aggrieved, confused hearts, just leaving a wake of blood and terror in their wake. And a lot of us are just scared to get up in the morning and are unsure of what the future holds. And that's why I think there's a wonderful, there's a wonderful providence in the fact that it was just last Sunday, that Mother Teresa, Calcutta, becomes Saint Teresa of Calcutta. One of those gentle statements of the God who truly rules the universe, that one life lived in love can be the most powerful statement and antidote 
to hatred, bitterness, and cruelty. It's, to me, a wonderful act of providence that just yesterday in this very place, eight brothers and sisters in this diocese took vows of holy order, of the holy order of the diaconate, so that they could lead the charge in the churches, care for the poor, the broken, the confused, and the oppressed in society as a statement of the kind of love that our gospel text talked about today. The great shepherd who would leave 99 to go after one. I'm very grateful that we get to keep one of those deacons we ordained yesterday. Rose Sapp, today is her first day of service at the altar, and it's just a delight to have her and Nancy Oliver, whom we picked up last year, and the, Michael and Carolyn and the amazing core of deacons that we have. And one of, the, one of the prayers that we pray in that service has a line that goes something like this, and oh God, work out your plan of salvation in all tranquility. Work out your plan of salvation in all tranquility. What we need to know is that while there is chaos on the earth, the God of peace reigns. The God of tranquility is in charge. And he is working one life at a time to bring redemption and hope and faith and love into this broken world. And it's another wonderful act of providence, I think, that the Lord brings us to these texts today to remind us from the gospel that our God is not the kind of God who inspires airplanes into skyscrapers, but our God is the kind of God who would come in the flesh and who would wrap our skin around himself and who would take the place of those who ought to die. A good shepherd who will go after the one and put the one upon his neck and carry them off. And that's the story that Paul reflects on as he talks to Timothy about his life. Paul recognizes in 1 Timothy that his career is winding down. He's thinking about his legacy and so he writes to his young protege, Timothy, and says, here is how I want you to remember me. I was entrusted and given the strength of Christ's mercy. Even though I was a blasphemer and a prideful man myself. What you have to understand is that Paul before Christ grabbed him, had the same sort of zeal that those young men 15 years ago had when they got on those airplanes and sought to do destruction. Paul thought that God's honor was being defiled and dragged through the mud by Christians who claimed that Jesus had risen from the dead and was the God-man come to rescue he describes himself as a zealot. He, he was an accomplice in Stephen's 
murder by mob. He was on his way to Damascus to drag believers out of their homes, out of their worship spaces, to pay a high price, endorsed by the Sanhedrin. And it was only the mercy of God, and he thought that he was doing God's very will in the name of Yahweh. And God showed his ability to take a single life and turn it upside down and to make it a display case for his mercy rather than his wrath because he had exhausted his wrath in pouring it out on his own son. And when Paul realized that Jesus had risen from the dead and was indeed God's very son, he realized in that the flash of light that the faith that he had thought that he had been exercising toward God was really pride. And he realized that the love that he thought he was extending to God was being translated into hatred for God's children. And so he, I, I don't know what your relationship with Paul is, but a lot of people think that Paul's kind of brash and arrogant and brusque and pretty opinionated, and he had a lot of opinions as an apostle, should. But it's really important to take a look inside his heart and see what God does to the, to the, to the prideful and the, the religiously arrogant. He did then and he does now. Paul, do you notice how Paul describes himself in this passage? I am foremost among sinners. This is not the first time that Paul refers to himself. In his earlier writings, in 1 Corinthians 15, look it up, he describes himself defending his apostleship. He says, look, I know I shouldn't have been made an apostle. I can count to 12. I'm number 13. I'm one untimely born, and I was a persecutor of the church. I'm just the least of the apostles. Puts himself at the end of the line when it comes to the apostolic train. Then later, in his first imprisonment, he writes to the Ephesians in chapter 3. Look it up. Talking about the fact that I was given the mystery of God's love to the Gentiles. I, I can't believe it because I'm the least of all the saints. Well, he's demoted himself. He's at the, not just at the end of the line of the apostles. He's at the end of the line of all believers. And now, towards the end of his writing career, he reflects one more time on who he is. I'm the least, the, the chief of all sinners, of every person who's ever lived. I'm the last one in line, the last one who deserves God's mercy because I acted totally, totally out of sync with the love and the faith that I was supposed to have. And I could only really find that faith and that love in Jesus. God does that then. God did that sort of thing back then. He does it now, which is why he would call a young lady of 18 years 
from ethnic Albania, politically Macedonia, and call her to become a nun, call her to change her name to Teresa in honor of an earlier saint, and then to go to Calcutta and to love, to find Jesus, and to love Jesus in the sick, the leprous, the outcast, and the broken in Calcutta. And through her life, make the greatest case for why Christianity is true that was made in the 20th century. She said, we're called to do ordinary things with extraordinary love. Lives like Paul's and lives like Teresa's have animated and will continue to animate many of us. Whether it's to, whether it's to go and live in societies where it's not legal to talk about Christ and to find ways to talk about Christ, whether it is actually to be willing to go to jail or die to be able to talk about Jesus, or whether it's, or whether it's, to, whether it's to serve in the capacity in accordance with the prayers that we're told to do in 1 Timothy 2 where we're told to pray with thanksgiving for all people and to pray for kings and those in authority so that a climate can be established in which we can talk about the one God and his mediator. And so we all are called to pray to that end. And in the parallel text in Titus, Paul tells people to be ready to do every good work in the political arena so that this environment can stand. And that is why some of us will have been called, will be called into law, into law enforcement, into medical care, into being first responders, into being the kind of people who are out on the front line protecting godliness and dignity and the worth and the value of every human being so that we, the church, can stand, on the, can stand in the marketplace and say, there is one God and there is one mediator between God and humans. The human being, Jesus, who has come to embrace us, to love us, Brothers and sisters, this is a, a most excellent time, as Bill and Ted might say. This is a most excellent time to tell our story. The world is so weary or so wrathful that the world needs more than anything else to see those who have caught the quiet, the tranquility of the God of heaven who have caught the vision of a St. Paul who recognizes that the faith I want and the love that I want are not in me. I have to find them in Jesus Christ and in him. 
as he makes me more and more grateful for the profound gift of mercy that he would come after me, that I'm willing to go and risk all just to be able to tell that story. And this is a time to hear the same kind of voice that Mother, now Saint Teresa had, to say, go and love me and those who are not lovely and not loved, because that love will be the best argument for the fact that I, the Lord your God, am, and that I, the Lord your God, love. May God pour out his spirit upon us that we may see ourselves in these texts. And may we come to this, may we now pray for the world that needs the prayer of a kingdom of priests. And may we go to this table and may we feed on Jesus, drink him in, take his life into us. And in the lyric of Derek Webb, as we go from this place, may we lead May we leave a trail of crumbs that others may want to come to this table too. And may we have the wisdom and the grace to be at their side and to help them understand this amazing story of God's merciful love. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.